0: mingle with one million folks, folks who are just like ours. The Outline World Dispatch. It's Monday, October thirtieth, 2017. I'm Adrienne Jeffries. Welcome to the week. On the show today, the housing crisis in Jackson, Wyoming that's gotten so bad that municipal employees are living in a parking lot. And a trip to the wizarding world of Harry Potter with Anne Derek Gaillot. By the way, Just so you know, this episode does have some bad words in it. Here's the dispatch. Power. We're used to hearing about the housing crisis in New York and San Francisco, where rents have gotten staggeringly high, but the housing crisis isn't confined to the coasts. In Jackson, Wyoming, the situation has gotten so dire that local workers are resorting to unconventional housing. Earlier this year, the Parks and Recreation Department started offering spots in a parking lot behind the rec center for city employees. Quote, unquote, residents were required to live, sleep, and eat inside their cars or campers. Surprisingly, some employees took them up on the deal. John Clary Davies wrote about Jackson's housing squeeze for Outside Magazine. John, welcome to The Dispatch.
1: Thanks, Adrian. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Tell me about Jackson, Wyoming.
1: Yeah, well, Jackson, as many know, is a really beautiful place. It's uh, right in the middle of the Tetons in Wyoming, and it is uh, a mecca for skiers and climbers and mountaineers and snowboarders. And lately, it has represented the housing crisis as this, it's almost like the apotheosis of the issue. It's gotten really bad there, and people are resorting to free uh, unorthodox means for the living situation to continue to be able to live in this really beautiful place
0: how bad is Jackson's housing crisis
1: it's bad so in the 90s they had nearly oh it was 85 percent of their workforce lived in the county and that number's down to 58 percent the town's goal is to try to get it up to 65. And that has a really broad impact. When you don't have teachers living locally, when you don't have paramedics or police officers living locally, and say there's a really bad snowstorm and the highway closes and you you just don't have these people there on hand, that that can create a lot of issues. Um, Not to mention, you know, nearly everybody else that you need to have a sustainable, safe municipality.
0: Let's talk about the parking lot. Hmm. How did this whole parking lot as housing situation start?
1: Sure. So, a lot of folks in Jackson for forever have camped on the surrounding public lands throughout the summer. You know, they're raft guides or they work for the national park and they just camp out on the public lands, no big deal. But it's reached such a fever pitch that you have a lot of people doing this now because there's You know, even people who want to live and pay rent um, and live in town, they, they can't. And so the surrounding public lands have taken a huge, huge hit. And so Jim Stanford, one of the city councilmen, proposed having this municipal campground and they didn't have really any space for it. And so they came up with this parking lot. The parking lot is behind the rec center you know it's uh, your average parking lot there's no water hookups you know there's limited electric and they were going to sell off these parking spots for people working locally for the summer
0: so you went to this parking lot what did it look like
1: i wasn't sure what to expect you know a part of me was expecting the scene that was just a you know full of young you know kind of dirt bags but it was really orderly. There was you know, only, uh, man, six cars or so. A total of eight people lived there. The The town was charging $465 a month to live in, in a parking space. And so no one really picked it up except for some of the city employees whose employer um, picked up the tab for them. And they offered them showers at the rec center. And they had these resources available. And so it didn't really take off. But it was you know, for these eight people, a really great solution. But it was also clear when I arrived in Jackson that it was a really niche solution and that they needed to f- come up with a lot of other options um, and potentially a much bigger camp to really address the problem that the town is facing. You know, it's kind of like the crazy thing. Like you still, you walk through town in Jackson and there are campers everywhere and you see people, you know, brushing their teeth in the streets and People are just trying to find any nook and cranny they can while, especially in the summer, you know, while they're they're working or even just coming through for a, a visit.
0: So were people happy with this situation overall?
1: You know, for the people who are living there, it, it was a great short-term solution. They were able to stay there and save money. And so few people in Jackson can actually do that. For the council members, you know, I talked to the mayor and the vice mayor about this program and... No, they weren't happy with it. I think that they knew that it was a niche solution. I think that they knew it was too expensive. They knew that it was too small, and they understood why people wouldn't wouldn't pay that for a parking spot. And I, I also want to clarify that this isn't just a lot of the, the story focused on you know these summer employees, these seasonal employees, but this is an, this is a middle class issue and it's affecting director level positions. You know, police officers, teachers, they can't afford to to work in Jackson or live in Jackson.
0: Right. And this isn't even a problem that's limited to Jackson, necessarily.
1: Yeah, it's happening in mountain towns and resort towns, tourist towns, the the country over. Aspen, for example, is housing employees in a parking lot full of 350 square foot tiny homes. Tahoe City, for example, in California, California. Um, their, their median rents have increased 52% since 2012, and city officials have proposed paying owners of those idle second homes to rent to local employees.
0: What if there was just a rule that said you could only have one house and you had to live in that house for at least 60% of the year? Is anyone talking about anything like that?
1: Not that I've heard of. Weak. <laughs> right? I think that's an interesting solution. I think that a lot of people would not be into that idea of mostly second homeowners. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that it, certainly in, in certain parts of the country, that would really help the situation.
0: I would love to see some radical solutions proposed in addition to like, oh, we can just stick everybody in a parking lot. Yeah. But maybe these things just take time.
1: I think they take time and... The folks on the lower end of the economic spectrum always take the brunt of it and always face the reality of these issues the hardest, and things don't change as much for folks on the other end of that spectrum. We're seeing it, whether it's in Manhattan or or Jackson, and hopefully we can start to, to close that gap. I think our healthy communities depend on it.
0: John Clary Davies is the editor-in-chief of Powder Magazine. You can find his piece about Jackson, The New American Dream Home is a Parking Lot, at OutsideOnline.com. John, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Adrian. I appreciate you having me on.
2: Culture. We're going to go to the, actually right to
0: where the dragon is. So
1: we're going to go ride that first, hopefully, depending on how long
2: the line is. The sign said that the wait for the train from Diagon Alley to Hogsmeade was going to take 110 minutes. I said to my friend, I can't do this. I broke from our group to take the 20-minute walk through Universal City Walk, the theme park's massive retail center, instead. On the other side, I was waiting in line to scan my ticket when the family of six in front of me filtered out. After a long wait, their entry was denied, something to do with their day passes. This is the biggest fucking waste of time, the father said, pushing a stroller. His partner and three other children, all dressed in blue Slytherin merchandise, followed dejectedly behind. I couldn't help but agree with this exhausted, angry man. As much as they advertise as places where families can have good, wholesome fun together, Major amusement parks test the limits of familial bonds and unconditional love. I just smelled weed. Same. (laughs) I knew Universal Studios' wizarding world of Harry Potter would be styled after the spooky whimsy that dictates the books. By the way, I've only read five of them. And I knew that as a theme park un-enthusiast, I would be enjoying the people I was with, not necessarily the parks themselves. Okay. Okay, yeah, we are in Harry Potter world. Oh my goodness. Oh, my God. When one of my dearest, oldest friends invited me on a group trip to celebrate our birthdays at Disney World and Universal Studios, I was hesitant. I was worried I would ruin the trip for her and her friends. But there was no way I was going to give up this chance to spend time with her after so long living on opposite sides of the country. Initial observations, like I've always felt, amusement parks are hell. There's too many people. Everyone's bumping into you. Everything's loud, like this loud-ass music. It's hot because we're in fucking Florida. The wizarding world of Harry Potter, commonly referred to as Harry Potter World, is filled with visibly distinct groups bumping against one another as they vie to enter the souvenir shops, line up for rides, or take photos in front of a giant fire-breathing dragon perched on top of the Gringotts Bank. In the end, my nosy side saved me, because all day I could watch family and friend units in different stages of breakdown and strengthening. As a family dressed in matching robes with wands in hand walked by, I thought, wow, these people are really intense. I'm like impressed at people who are wearing robes today because it's uh, fucking hot. They do it in the middle of the summer, yeah. I- it took me a second to remember that I was wearing a custom-designed bodysuit that identified me as part of a group of my own friends. We were each different kinds of candy from the Harry Potter universe. I was a package of ice mice. As we expected, there are kids everywhere. They are jumping. They are swinging. They are sneezing without covering their mouths. No one's being too cool for school here. Everyone is just geeking out. I keep seeing all these Harry Potter shirts being like, wow, people really fucking love Harry Potter. In nearly every dark corner of Harry Potter world's winding lanes were lone adults sitting on the ground to grab a temporary seat. At one shop selling apparel for each Hogwarts house, a child around 12 years old pleaded with her parent to let her get what sounded like her second Gryffindor scarf. Outside, a group of three 20-something tourists waited outside a wand shop, looking eager to move on to the next site. Another member of their crew, no doubt inside, trying to decide between a model of wand owned by Fred Weasley and another owned by his twin brother, George, was at risk of getting left behind. All around me were parents, siblings and friends on the verge of exploding, reddened by the unseasonably strong sun and their own internal rage. So many faces silently expressing, "We're here to have fun, damn it, so let's do it the way I know is best." Thank you for selecting our please, please make way for our chosen wizard. She's the chosen wizard, y'all. I'm a wizard. It wasn't all bad. Some groups were really keeping it together, like the family with children dressed in Hogwarts robes I saw later in the day at one of the park's restaurants. All excitedly talking about what ride to go on next, Escape from Gringotts or the Flight of the Hippogriff. They all arrived at the parks the same way, smiling, excited, united. But the parking lot scene at the end of the day offered more insight into the experience than any staged family photo could. Matching tribes trickled out of the park, children passed out in their strollers dressed exactly like the enduring parents pushing them. A couple with their newlywed status emblazoned on their chests emerged from the gates, one with bags of souvenirs in each arm, the other empty-handed. But I was part of this horde too. At Hogsmeade, at our last stop at the parks, I was buying a beer at a pub when I spotted a man with a Quidditch team captain shirt ducking into an alleyway with a child's backpack clutched to his chest looking at a dad right now who clearly abandoned his kids to get a quiet moment and i feel him so hard i thought wow some groups really don't know how to stick together the man seemed to be catching his first breath in hours i paid the clerk for my beer and took a long sip before stepping back out into the crush of people i had to find the group of friends i had abandoned before it was time to leave as much as i loved watching the chaos around me it was ultimately them that i was here for We're in Harry Potter world. Mission accomplished.
0: And Derek Gaillot is a staff writer here at The Outline. That's all for this dispatch. If you'd like to stay in touch with us and maybe see some extra fun bonus material, why not follow the show on Twitter at Outline Dispatch? I'm Adrienne Jeffries. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning.